Welcome everybody to What's Up Fandom. My name is Josh, and today I am joined by some very special guests. Uh, we have Scott Peterson, who's writer, executive producer, and showrunner. This is also me. audio, Scott. Oh, I should say something. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. Uh, joining us once again, uh, Matt Berkowitz, executive producer. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be back on. Oh, no problem at all. And also joining us once again, Nick Wolfhard, who plays a, a monster, I think. Right? Aren't you a monster in the show? Yeah, you can find me in uh, in at the beginning of book one, maybe in the background. I play, a, you know, maybe maybe one miscellaneous monster. He says, hey, Jack. And that's that's my that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's cool. Yeah, I think he's, he's cool. grabbing a fan base. One he's day, you know, like he's got a whole like half a scene in season five coming up. So, oh, yeah, there you go. Spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. No, you, for- you forgot about book four, which has also has not happened yet. <laughs> There's a you lot of things. An that entire season. Uh, but we're going to be talking about uh, book three of The Last Kids on Earth. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on and joining me on this wonderful Friday afternoon. Absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hot in here. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, I'm hot. Uh, are you? How are you guys doing? Like, I know, I know, Nick's in uh, wonderful uh, Canada. It's it's very rainy where I am. It 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 just stopped. Luckily, like as the recording, as we started recording, See, so. this guy flexing all the time. He's flexing rain to his people in California that it never rains here. Yep. He's flexing his age. People? Look yeah. at this guy. My dad oh, yeah. wants to move to LA so bad, and like I do too. But my dad is like, I just want to get out of the rain. And to be fair, it rains like so much in Vancouver until like March. And then we have like three months where there's just no rain, which is in the summer. We In LA, we have, it, it rains like in January for a couple of days. And then we have 11 and a half months mm-hmm. of LA. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nobody had to You guys get heavy it. though. Yeah. Depends, depends on what heavy is like if you ask an la person if it's heavy rain it's like oh my gosh it was a typhoon but we get heavy fires yes, yeah that is the one thing we do have heavy fires. oh oh uh i get i i guess well if we're flexing weather it is it's actually supposed to uh snow on friday is that is today friday today is friday wait is. what's today friday. friday oh maybe it's supposed to snow tonight it was pretty cold Jeez. well again thank I'm you sorry. everybody for- you're gonna get you're gonna get we're coming up. we're gonna talk about we're actually gonna talk about the last kids on earth i swear um so basically the way that uh we're, we're gonna do some some minor spoilers for book three because if you haven't watched it why it's it's available on netflix now <laughs> just go watch it it's was number seven in the u.s and then number yeah. 10 and but number one in our hearts mm-hmm. Texas forever. So one of those <laughs> wonderful things. It's really good. Um, and book three, we kind of start off uh, at the end of book two. We have like Thol, uh, uh, sorry, Thrall and Rezok are like seemingly defeated. Um, and then, so everyone's having a good time. And that's basically how you guys ran this season, correct? It was just, it was just a good time for everybody, correct? There's no conflict whatsoever. Didn't think uh, so. All the kids just pretty much hang out for about 10 episodes. Um, but unfortunately, they want to get power. They figure it'll be even more fun if they can get a big generator and power up the whole city. Uh, and that leads them to find a new monster that's not really thrilled with, with these kids. Uh, called the Nightmare King or the King Wretch. 
who really kind of hunts down the kids and tries to get inside their heads, which is a new thing for, for the third book. Uh, that he's not, not just slashing at them with his body, but he's messing with their minds. And uh, another thing that the power triggers too is just uh, them realizing that there's, there's other humans alive. Um, yeah. That's a big, big narrative, uh, part of the narrative for, for our kids on the show and what they're going through here and what that means for them. They, they hear voices on a radio and realize we're not the last kids on Earth after all. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This is the darkest season we've done yet. <laughs> this is by far the darkest one yet. Like, oh, man. Um, the, the, those dream, some of those dream sequences, I couldn't... Like, at first, I, w I was so psyched to record those because I could not believe we were like, wow, we're really doing this. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but... But yeah. Well, when when the season is based off of the book of the Nightmare King, that should be kind of indicative of you're gonna have a dark season, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, usually, it's not you know the Nightmare King. His he's not technically the uh, the Lord of you know the land of puppies and bunnies. It's it's Nightmare for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. I did write um, just in wonderful you know a probably weird coke filled state of caffeine craziness um i wrote uh this season uh dirk wants to be a monster uh quint needs a union rep uh june falls in love with a radio and jack can't catch a break so that's like to yeah. me that was kind of like the uh the antithesis of this season like of our four characters if we'd had you in the writer's room we could have saved a lot of times right we'd yeah. done but... Uh, I'll has like an just call me for one. book four. Just call okay. me. I'm, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so uh, a, a big part of the season, uh, especially for um, Nick's character, Jack, you get in, like his character gets infected by Rezok pretty early on and he hides mm -hmm. that. So what's, can you kind of tell us a little bit about Jack's uh, arc throughout this season? So bit. So basically, um, they find this radio and they're trying their best to like repair it completely. They have to add this little module onto it so it's not just a one-way radio, so they can actually communicate to the other side. Um, and Jack is, at this point, Jack's mental state is just so, just messed up because last season he got betrayed by Thrall. Um, spoilers, by the way, <laughs> but, but um, that was kind of like his father figure, the only one he's really ever had. Um, he doesn't have a foster family. He just got infected by, by Rezok um, through the King Wretch, which formed because Rezok kind of like transformed it. And so not only is he dealing with the, the possibility that his friends might leave him for good, but he also is infected by Rezok. So he's possibly being like this kind of, this kind of like spy. Rezok can almost like kind of see what's going on. And... Yeah, it's just not a it's not a good time for, it's not a good time for Jack. It starts out really well and then it just goes all downhill from there. Um but on the bright side, all the other characters are um, you know, kind of get light like, you know, kind of lighthearted adventures. Quint is very Quint and um uh oh my god. I I it's been so long <laughs> that I can't remember Mark What's Mark Hamill's character's name? It's um Bartle. Not Res Oh. Bartle. Bartle. God, that's so... Can we cut that part out? I'm so okay. embarrassed. Hold on. I was just watching it last... I'll help you out, Nick, because before I do any of these kind of interviews, I open up Last Kids on Earth cast in, in, in Google 
and I put it at the top of my screen because I know I'm going to forget oh. somebody's name. And I'm going to go, uh, Catherine, oh, okay. Catherine O'Hara. So, so I have a cheat sheet up above my screen right now. I mean, oh, I, okay. I just have an IMDb on my phone. Just <laughs> there you go. go oh, so. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So anyway, Quentin and Bartle have this kind of chemistry going on where, um, you know, Bartle is very magic oriented and Quint is, you know, very much science. And, you know, Bartle kind of respects Quint's like creative drive, but he's not so sure about it yet. And then um, Dirk wants to become a monster and he's really trying to prove to Chef that he can be just as strong and just as, you know, deadly as one of them. And then June is just obsessed with this radio because she really wants to see her parents again. After wimp. She's a wimp. <laughs> hey, it's on. Hey, I mean, Quint, uh, Quint does too, just to a, to a uh, lesser extent, extent. And also, uh, Skelka gets a lot of screen time this season. She's, she's kind of become mm-hmm. my favorite character um, because she kind of interacts with everyone, which is great. Yeah, I liked her and uh, Jack's little, uh, they have a nice little kind of like team up together mm-hmm. for a little bit. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Um, so turning a book like when we've asked this question before but i mean some people they may be listening for the first time what are some of the challenges of taking a book and turning it into an animated series you want to take that one matt sure you know i'd say right off the bat like especially you know we all get into this because we loved the books and you know we think that it's such a phenomenal series and and so much great stuff to play on and especially with these that are, like are already such a strong narrative behind them and like the three act structure to be able to say, Hey, we want to break, we want to come in and honor it. Um, but then also because the books are already so like beloved and in so many different languages, like kids already have access to this. So if we're going to come in and say, we want to, to play in this space, what new elements are we bringing to the table that both can stay true and, have uh, the original core fans feel honored and enjoy it, but then also allow us to take it to another level and bring in a whole new set of folks. So I think really, um, in particular, these books, you get into them, it's about an hour and a half sitting per book. It's a, it's a fantastic run and then you're out, but then really thinking about what can we do on a narrative level and take it to 10 episodes. And then also um, get you just out of Jack's point of view. Like, yes, he is the star of the show, but in going to 10 episodes, you really need to think about what are all the other characters thinking? And I think Scott and the team did a phenomenal job really of um, both embracing the material and working with Max on that, but then really pushing it so much further. Uh, Scott, any any challenges um, f- uh, this, uh, this season of creating anything? Like, was there stuff that you wanted to add or stuff that, you know, um, ended up getting like left on the cutting room floor? Um, not, not really cutting room floor. We, we definitely raised the bar from second season in terms of, okay, instead of 10 monsters, now we've got 30. And instead of uh, a tree blowing up, we're going to have a giant roller coaster chase with a giant flying monster. And it's, it really gets kind of crazy, but we were able to pull it off. I don't think there was anything we really ended up on the cutting room floor other than, you know, some jokes that we had to cut for time, that sort of thing. Oh, well, now we get it. We got to hear these jokes. Do you remember any of these (laughs) jokes that were cut for time? Because I I will say in this season, there are a lot of jokes and a lot of really good Easter eggs that I adored. Like the- You have a list. Like the the, the fireman, uh, the sexy fireman calendar joke. That was amazing. The, uh, uh, The little interaction between Mark Hamill and Bruce Campbell. 
Oh, I thought yeah. that was, I was like, I'm watching them like, no way. They didn't really say that. I had to rewind it and listen again. I was like, nice. I, I don't know how many, you know, kids watching are going to get that joke. For me, I was like, that's for us, the yes. olders. I love, I love how just how done Bartle is like throughout this season. Cause you know, they want like the couch and he's like, you know, the whole, I wasn't napping thing is, is great. And, and then, then he, he just, you know, Quinn wanted his couch again. That was very yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. And to Quinn, he's like, "I'd like you to leave now." <laughs> oh, it's great. And yeah, um, kind of a curmudgeon. Yeah. Uh, what were some of your favorite parts uh, from this season? Like, any, I'll call. Any, any I'll s- call one out. Absolutely. Like the uh, the the penultimate episode, and like taking that and putting that whole thing inside of Jack's head. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that um, you know. Scott, you and the team worked really closely with Max on this as well, just in terms of like, hey, this didn't exist in the books, but it still really honors the storyline and got to take the, um, really have its own unique voice as an episode and take things, I I think, to another level by getting us outside of our normal setting and in such like an, you know, the tension's so high at that point and then it's so action-packed that like we're facing all of these huge emotions while like everything is hitting the fan at once. I, yeah, in the book, I think it was a, a page where we go into Jack's head and then come back out for the big final battle. And um, one of our writers, Josh Pruitt, loved uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and the Dream Warriors and where they were going in and fighting Freddy Krueger in the dream. And he's like, we could do that with this. And so we were able to expand that into almost a whole episode in Jack's head. And that gives you the ability to then twist space and time and and do things that you can't do in a normal episode and it really freed us up to do a lot of things that were were fun but also a lot of things that showed what jack's feeling and what the characters are going through in a very in a way that's not just in their head because we're in their head so you actually get to see what they're feeling And, and it also probably leads to like so much creative writing right i mean if it's all in someone's head you could basically almost do whatever you want with uh in terms of just fighting scenes and all that stuff which um if you haven't seen that episode, I mean, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. But um, my, I think one of my favorite scenes is <clears throat> a lot. There, there's a couple, but one of my favorite scenes for sure is where King Rezok is trying to, well, uh, King Wretch, I guess technically King Rezok, trying to tempt the uh, the kids with their fears and their wants. Like you know, like I said, like Dirk wants to become a monster. Um, Quint wants to become like this top scientist. June really wants to see her parents again. They all pass. Jack is the one that does not, and that's why he gets infected. Um, and it's these these great scenes because they're all so varied, especially like in environment. So that's that was cool. It's almost yeah. like making a deal with the devil. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of going back to what um, uh, Nick said earlier, uh, this season is a little bit dark, like a, a lot darker than the previous two books seasons i'm gonna mess that up all the time i apologize <laughs> sorry um, i do too uh, I, I mean it, it makes sense for it to be a book because i mean it's a book but yeah. uh and it's so much easier to say season you know what I mean? it makes it easier um but uh like yeah like there's there's a there's a scene where uh in jack's mind because that is the thing that does happen a lot through this series is rezok is communicating with jack through jack's uh mind uh and there's that one scene of him pulling the uh the blanket and it's got like all of his friends on it that was i was like wow we're we're getting a little bit higher than rated t for teen here guys we're getting a little <laughs> yeah. bit up in that level a bit 
where the treehouse is on fire and mm-hmm. uh, Ro- I'm just going to say it, Rover's dead body. <laughs> like, pretty much, flaming corpse. You don't see it, really. You see, like, an outline, right? You see, like, a shadow. But it's there. And I, that's the part where I was like, while recording it, I was like, oh, okay. But I'm going to have some fun with this. There were a few things we pulled back on a little. Like like you said there, instead of showing someone's dead, we show a silhouette. Yeah. Or when um, uh, Jack is dragging the bodies of his friends, yeah. we made that scene a little bit shorter and cropped in a little bit so you don't see it quite as much. Uh, you don't see the detail as much. There were other things where we didn't want to hear a bone crunching sound. So yeah. we, we, we just pulled back a little bit. So we didn't really have to get rid of anything, but we softened the blow 10% maybe, just so it wasn't quite, we didn't want it to be traumatizing for kids. We wanted them to be scared, but to still have fun. Mm-hmm. No, that's all right. Traumatize them early. That's, <laughs> that's what happened to us. We traumatized early. Um <laughs> I do have some uh, some questions from some people at, uh, on Instagram. Um, this one is from M H M D underscore Arif underscore Z. I'm guessing that's Muhammad Arif Z. Um, how is it working on the current season uh, under the conditions of 2020? Uh, like, like was it a little bit difficult? Um, like. For you guys, I know, you know, recording wise, it's, it's one thing. You're no longer really at a studio. Um, you got to record in a, ba- like a closet. Um, but I don't know, like animation wise or like, has, was there any difficulties uh, for you guys during the season? Um, well, my, season oh, my, my answer is really short. So I, it, is okay if I go first? Sure. Okay. Um, well, we recorded the actual books before um, the COVID pandemic actually happened. But I did sometimes go in to uh, re-record some lines um, during it happening. So um, I didn't actually end up recording anything from home, but there were definitely precautions taken for sure. Yeah, we had to have, you know, just one person in the booth and one person at the controls and no director there. Everybody, everything was remote. I think with the animation, we still had quite a bit to do when COVID hit and weren't sure how we were going to be able to do that. But Atomic Cartoons was amazing. Within two weeks, they got every single animator home. We had over 200 people working on this. And within two weeks, they were all set up at home to keep working. And and I think maybe we lost a week of productivity and then had to catch up on that. But it was it was astounding that we were able to just keep chugging along. Yeah, Matt, what type of like how how difficult is that? I mean, you're the you're the CCO of Atomic. So you're in charge of basically not just Last Kids, but all of the other creative properties that you guys are doing. Like, I know you guys announced uh, the holiday special. So you got some Star Wars going on too at the same time. So what is it like, like as a studio, like from a studio aspect, moving everybody over during COVID? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, a a fantastic IT and pipeline team, um, you know, when all this went down. So I think a neat thing is like every animation studio, you're doing almost everything in-house with artists in-house, but you also are are tapping into different artists around the world for like, hey, there's an amazing designer to pull off a particular look. How do we integrate them into our pipeline, even if they can't come into the building? So you're always working with a few freelancers um, beyond your like uh, main team that's at the studio. So 
we'd had at any given time as like, I think once when COVID hit, we were around like uh, 700, 750 folks. Um, and so at the time there were maybe like 15 people working remotely and the IT and pipeline teams basically were able to take that workflow and very quickly transition that to a workflow for the entire studio. Um, and I mean, it was really tremendous um, because it was a matter of right out of the gate, like we need to get everybody out of the building and safe at home. Um, so cool, let's get that squared away. But then also you want to maintain the security, uh, all the security protocols. So what we were able to set up is all of the artists were able to um, remote access into the studio so that they would be not working on the files locally on their home computers, but instead tapping into their computers that were at the studio. So none of the material actually would leave the building. Um, and instead, you know, you then didn't have to worry about like, we're behind a bunch of firewalls and like mm -hmm. we have so many uh, like just security protocols so that we don't get hacked. Um, and they did a really amazing job of scaling that, you know, from zero to 60 in about two weeks. Um, and that was the biggest thing. And then troubleshooting it because different people have different internet speeds and like, are you getting a lag? Are there things that are functioning um, less optimally? And then the IT team literally went in and would meet with every single artist and troubleshoot their problems with them. Um, so it was pretty wild. Um, and then beyond that, um, uh, just a ton of credit to all the producers on the various shows, because it's one thing to get up and running and then be like, cool, now you are technically able to work and we have given the, um, the tools that you need to be able to do that. But then like, hi, how's morale? You've been at home for three months. And like, usually you're at a studio, you get all the camaraderie and the fun and the back and forth. Um, so it really was then transitioning that to like, hey, let's do a Zoom happy hour. Let's do whatever we possibly can. Um, let's send out puzzles or t-shirts or whatever it may be um, to just have you still feel like a part of the team um, rather than just, hey, I'm sitting in front of my computer for 40 hours a week. Yeah, like boosting morale, right? Like, yeah. like that kind of thing. It's, uh, it's also funny because you mentioned keeping all the materials like at Atomic. Um, we, uh, the show, the voiceover, it, it records like a block or two away from Atomic, yeah. which, is, which is great because like if, uh, if any of the producers or, or writers actually, you know, near the studio need anything, they're like, oh, I forgot something. Like run back to the studio, grab that, run back, and it's like, here you go, <laughs> which is very convenient. So, Yeah. Uh, kind of speaking of morale, like, uh, so, so Scott, like, what is, how, how do you kind of keep that morale up um, with your team of creators and everything uh, trying to do this while you guys are not in the same room all at home? Uh, yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. My morale's somewhere down about an inch <laughs> above the ground right now. Um, no, I think you, you just, you try and keep keep people focused on what's positive about it, that we're still doing the work that we love. The show's doing amazingly. People are loving it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the final result, everybody was really proud of. So I think it's, it's keeping focused on that rather than, ugh, I gotta do this for eight more hours. Um, and, and just encouraging people and, and letting them know how valued they are so that, that they're, what they're doing is being appreciated. They're not, they may feel like they're working in a vacuum, but there are people out there who, who love what they're doing. Nice. Uh, I actually, I have to give credit to Scott on this well before COVID or any of that. Like it's a really ambitious show um, and was really trying a lot of new things at Atomic. And Scott, um, based in LA, um, went up all the time to um, 
uh, to Vancouver to meet with the team, um, go through things. And it wasn't always just like, hey, here's a work trip and we need to take out, um, we need to cover all of these things that we need to knock out. It was also building that camaraderie, um, having people feel like they're really a part of the show, having a great time with them. Um, I think that Scott led the team, um, not just creatively in, in delivering this, but also really making sure that folks felt empowered in their roles um, and set up to do their best and always being accessible, um, whether he was in LA or in Vancouver, um, you know, always available and open to chatting with folks and hearing out their ideas. Nice. Thank you, sir. Um, checks in the mail, Matt. Woo! Yes. <laughs> um, I have another question here um, from uh, WTF underscore wary. Um, who's your favorite character in Last Kids? Hmm. Um, I might need a little time to think about it. Why, why don't you guys go first? Um, I've been asked this question before, and, and usually I say chef because I really just wanted to work with Bruce Campbell since I first saw him in Evil Dead. So we created that role. He wasn't in the books. We created that role basically so we could get Bruce Campbell in. But yeah, the more we, we talk about Skelka, she, she was not in the first couple books and or had a really tiny role, but we wanted to make her, we thought she had a lot of potential. So we boosted her character up as much as we could, as early as we could. And are really happy that we did that. I think she really stands out and is a strong female character uh, who's not afraid to kick butt. Mm -hmm. um, my answer, yeah, my answer is probably either Skelka or Dirk. Um, I probably, I maybe maybe Dirk a little more, but I don't know because Skelka is just so great in book three. Like she just gets she gets so much stuff to just like play around and just like say some like jokes to the team. Um, the smell my axe thing was was hilarious. Where Dirk is like, yeah, they want to wash that, which is great. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Skelka, Skelka or uh, Dirk. What about I, you, Matt? Do you I think I'm going to go with Nick's character. I think I'm going to go with Jack on this one. And, you know, uh, fundamentally, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and Nick, like, honestly, you brought the character to life in such tremendous fashion. Like, think what we're taking him through and what he is experiencing, um, I think feels very real. Um, and, like, even with, you know, so far where he's gone in the series and, like, book one, you feel for him, he's a foster kid he's getting his family together and his friends. And like, that's a great part. And then taking his character to the next level of like, what's it like to be part of a family was so much of, of book two and seeing what that brings out in Jack. And then book three, um, and you can only do this because of the time that you've spent and getting to enjoy him and appreciate his perspective. In book three, it's all about him losing a family and how he responds to that. Um, yeah. And he's selfish at points through it. He's not perfect. He's far from it um, to the point that he almost, you know, ruins it for everybody else. Um, and going through that trajectory, I've just always felt, um, you know, right, right on from reading the books, like he felt like a really real kid to me. Um, and I felt that um, there are so many things that he had going on that I, you know, you could really relate to. And um, then, you know, just really grateful for how he came to life in the show and, and to be able to match that. Oh, thank, thank you so much, Matt. See, you can tell Matt... Matt's a great executive because he's already complimented the two of us in the last two yeah. questions. Yeah, I'm you waiting. are fantastic. You answer my texts too, just in regular conversations <laughs> sometimes. I don't know another executive that does that, but that's, that's awesome. 
I'm, I'll, I'll just wait for mine. Um, anyway, uh, Matt, you did kind of uh, bring something that I did, I did want to mention. Um, so yeah, you guys do take some liberties with the books, like characters are created, you know, characters are expanded. Um, is like, what can we look forward to uh, with our characters? Like, are, are there some things that I know you guys have been working with Max a lot in order to, you know, go for other seasons in these current seasons? Um, are like, is there going to be like a little bit of different, like differences between the books and the series, like kind of evolving uh, the way our characters are going to develop further on uh, through the additional books, series, seasons? Yeah. Well, well, we're not official for book four and beyond, but we can certainly talk about like, you know, something that we had a lot of fun with was the uh, interactive special that is uh, on the way. And we actually just finished production on that. Like what, Scott, like a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, we did the final mix about a week ago. Yeah. Um, and that was a really neat activity for us because I definitely say for future episodes, absolutely, we're looking to stay in line um, and, and have that general narrative. Um, uh, and if anything, it's been interesting because Max has been writing the books as we've been doing the series. And so like Globlet is a character that came from the series and, you know, has been a lot of fun in that and has now become a key character uh, in the books as they moved forward. Um, so um, all that's to say, I think that there will always be a connection because there's a broader arc that... Um, is figured out that like of, of the story of where this is going, but then different opportunities to get into things. So our interactive special, um, we can't, I guess, talk about like the specific plot of it, but that isn't tied into any book. It's purely tied into like the character development that has happened to date. And then we got to tell our own narrative amongst it. And it certainly stays uh, on canon, but uh, is its own story. Yeah, it could. I mean, like like you were saying, like you you guys like making that so much. I didn't know you uh, you just finished it a week ago, but yeah, if you know if if we get if we get more, I, I don't want to count chickens before they hatch, but it be it could like be like uh like our like our trios of horror or like our interdimensional cave where we occasionally do like an interactive episode. It's just free reign with the story. Do whatever. It's that so that's interesting. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It's it, you do get to do things in an interactive because you have multiple endings. You know, it depends mm -hmm. which path the viewer chooses. So you can get darker or even still. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, sorry, go ahead. And I was gonna say the other thing that I guess like we can chat about at this point is, um, uh, you know, very soon. Uh, you know, obviously the video game has been announced, but we're mm -hmm. gonna be like, releasing like the first trailer for it and everything tied into that. And that was another opportunity where. Um, we felt like for the game, we should have its own storyline. It should totally feel like a, a standard Last Kid story. But like we got to make up a villain for that um, that was not necessarily tied into canon and then have its own like big, big story throughout that. So like, yeah, I guess I, at the end of the day, more and more, I, I think the, the Netflix series tying into to the books and how we're expanding upon that. But then with all the, the different tentacles of the brand at this point, we're beginning to... Uh, get further out into the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back on the interactive, I don't know how much you guys have talked about. I know, uh, you know, Matt and I, we talked off air about what it was. Like, for some of the people that may not know what you guys are talking about, can you explain a little bit about what you're doing with the interactive uh, thing with Netflix? So it's, it gives the viewer the opportunity to choose, you know, does Jack attack the monster or does he run away? And they'll, you know, click on their console or on their uh, remote 
and that will change the course of the story based on their choice. So we created 66 minutes, a little more, I think maybe it was 70 minutes when we ended up, uh, of original content that kind of plays out like maybe a, a normal 22 minute episode when you make the choices and you end up in a certain ending and then you can go back and do a different choice and play it again. And so they've had a few of these on Netflix that have done really well for them. So we were thrilled that they wanted us to do one for last kids. And it was, it was really interesting as a writing exercise too, because you are writing, you have to write like a puzzle kind of, it's a, it's a logic puzzle of, well, if they go this way, then they've got to end up back here eventually, or we're going to end up, if you branch forever, you'll never end. So uh, it's finding loops and finding things that split back on themselves. So it's, it's a fun writing exercise and should be really fun to play too. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like, um, like you choose your own adventure mm -hmm. or like the, like the telltale games, you know, like the wolf among us or the walking dead. Um, and uh, yeah, my, uh, like you said, there's been multiple ones so far. My brother Finn actually just did one for uh, Carmen San Diego. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so that's, that came out actually maybe the beginning of this year or a year ago. Um, but yeah, now it's, uh, now we get to do it, which is awesome. So. Um, I do have a question. Um, I know in some of the old, like from me, my wonderful days of reading, um, I used to get those uh, young Indiana Jones books, those choose your own adventure, young Indiana Jones, because those mm -hmm. were pretty top. Um, are, is, is there a route in, in your last kids one where it's like two choices and then the episode ends. So it's only like four minutes long. Cause that would be hilarious. I loved in those <laughs> books. Like there was one of those Indiana Jones who was like, Oh, I take this one. That's the end of the book. And it's like, I've done like 20 pages. Like what the heck it's, it's over. Like, is there a path like that? Because if there is, that would be hilarious. Oh like, yeah. Do you go through the door or not go through the door? Don't go through the door. Now you spend the rest of the day just chilling with your friends into the episode, like credits, executive producer, Dick Wolf. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, um, Scott and the team had a lot of fun putting in all, I mean, look, there's so many ways that things can go wrong in this world. And like, similar to like you reading those young Indiana Jones books, like usually what happens if at the beginning you are suddenly at the end, like things went horrifically wrong. Yeah. There's never the like, oh, we skipped forward and everything just worked out. Yeah. So um, I think, I I think maybe there are, are many, many points in there. I think I maybe recorded at least like five of those. <laughs> I want to say, but there's a lot. So Josh, you'll be happy about that. That's perfect. Yeah, Scott, what would you say about this? I would say there's definitely the opportunity to fail. If that's oh, what you're looking yes. for, that's, you're, that's you're perfect. Do it. That's what I want. Like, like, remember when they did like that, that Jeff Corwin experience thing. And it's like, uh -huh. Oh, is he going to get eaten by a leopard? It's like, he's never going to get eaten by a leopard. It's Jeff Corwin. Um, I want to get, I, I, I want to get Jack eaten by a zombie. Like that's, that's <laughs> my main goal in life. I want him to get et by something. So, yeah. Something like that, I think, probably happens. Maybe not exactly, but... That's all that we need uh, in reality. Um, okay, one... I uh, do have one final question. Uh, this is from uh, at Saturn's Mini Moons. I'm not sure which uh, moon asked, but we, many of them. Um, does Jack like Panic at the Disco? Uh, hmm. Am I answering this? I'm just the I'm just the the uh, the the puppet master, I guess, for the character. <laughs> you guys go ahead, I guess. Matt, I guess. Oh, actually, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna kind of like spin on this. What's on Jack's playlist? Oh, like what's he listening to right now? Assuming oh. his iPod Nano, I guess he would have an iPod Nano. The, uh, well, um, I'm sorry, he would probably have a Zune. 
Yeah. <laughs> Zune, yeah. Uh, the Offspring. I think The Offspring would be on there. Uh, I think there. I think that would definitely fit his personality a little bit to me. But that's just yeah. my thoughts. Yeah, I, th- I think Panic at the Disco is is probably something that would fall more on June's playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, I think, is trying too hard to be cool, so he'd only he'd like only want the thrasher tunes. Mm-hmm. And really, look, look, I'm a hard, I'm a headbanger, I'm really tough, I'm really. And so anything with melody probably wouldn't be as great for, for Jack. Well, Matt, I got to know. I got to know. What, what, what is on Jack's playlist in your mind? Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've got to agree. Like, Offspring makes a lot of sense here. I could totally see that. Um, what else is in there? I was kind of hoping you'd be like, Mozart's concerto in D minor. You know, like, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Just like, you know, he likes to chill. Um, I feel like we might see that out of Quint. We couldn't see that out of Quint. And now I feel like the real spin, though, would be like, what's on Dirk's playlist? Because you're not getting heavy metal on Dirk's playlist. Mm-mm. It's just I feel like that's why Spice Girls. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spice, Spice not Girls. Bird, he's not a Brandon Urie fan. Yeah. I, th- I think Dirk would have Spice Girls, but that's just that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> At least one or two songs. I don't know. Some, like, OG, like, uh, Miley Cyrus, like, you know, oh. Party in the USA. That would be pretty dope. Oh, yeah, absolutely, that. absolutely. And like, embrace it and like, hey, it's who he is and it's awesome. Exactly. He makes no excuses. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, so uh, any anything uh, that you guys have uh, coming up that you want to share with us? Um, who wants to go first? I guess, should I? I guess I'm already talking, so. Go for it. Uh, okay. Um, I have a new series called, uh, well, it's not mine, but it's a bunch of people. Uh, it's called New Gen. Um, I'm doing it with my brother Finn and the Witchers Anya Chalutra, and we just recently announced that Lena Headey and Luke Wilson have joined the show. Oh, Luke cool. Wilson is going, yeah. Luke Wilson's going to be playing a character named Robo Duck, and Lena Headey is going to be playing a character named Thea, and that's all I can say. But it is about two brothers in this nanotech world that they need to protect from someone else who's using this, um, this, this. Well, I'm not going to say anything other than that. <laughs> Uh, and it's uh, Bardell, correct? Uh, That's right. The yeah. same people that make uh, the Dragon Prince, I believe. Mm-hmm. Nice. What about you guys? Got anything uh, coming up? I know, uh, Matt, you know, Atomic's got uh, like the Lego Star Wars coming up. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, November 17th, Disney Plus. Uh, it I, was a for the studio to be able to animate it. I was so, like, surprised when I saw that because I thought George Lucas wanted that dead and buried. The Lego, but the, the, to do it in Lego is genius. Yeah. There's so much you can do with that. <laughs> we were really excited when uh, Lucasfilm released like the the poster key art of just like the the, the minifig hand. hand. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we were we were pretty excited. Um, and then uh, unfortunately, a lot of the other stuff is under wraps right now, so we can't get into it. Scott, got anything uh, coming up that you can talk about? Um, I'm just, I'm getting prepared for the riots after the election. I, I'm going to get myself a big TV and, um, take out some neighbors that have really been bothering me. But beyond that, I don't have really have plans. Nice. That's wonderful. Um, so guys, thank you. Thank you all so much for coming on and chatting. We didn't spoil like that. My main goal was not to spoil a lot of season three, just cause it is so new. Um, I don't even think we're not even in our two week like cycle yet, weekend we? yeah oh yeah um yeah so uh yeah so that thanks th- so much for coming on um where can everybody find you guys social media wise 
Um, I am uh, twitter.com uh, Nick double underscore the Wolfhard. You can probably just find me at, at Nick Wolfhard. And uh, Instagram is Instagram, Instagram.com slash the Wolfhard. That's where you can find me. Scott? Uh, I'm at flagrantproductions.net. Flagrantproductions.net. And uh, Matt doesn't have any social media. He's, he's got Atomic, and that's basically what he's cool with. There we go. You got it. You that's got all it. you need. That's really all you need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and just be like, this is yeah, me yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll put all those links and everything to Atomic, to uh, Last Kids Book 3, to Scott's website, to all of Finn's stuff. Um, all that is going to be in the show notes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom, on Twitter at What's Up Fandom PC for podcasts. Um, thanks to one out of 10 for the intro and outro music for this episode. You can check them out on Instagram at one out of 10 and on Spotify. Just look up one out of 10 uh, also in the show notes and give them a listen. Listen to the full version of, of our song that they have for us. Um, again, guys, thank you all so much for coming on. No problem. It was awesome. All right. Thanks uh, so much, Josh. Oh, no problem. So for what's up fandom, I'm Josh. I'm Nick Wolfhard. I'm Scott. And Matt. <laughs> Matt still never to me. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>